Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. A nightmare in the heartland. One person dead, 22 people injured at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade in downtown Kansas City. We are going to be talking about that this morning, and we will have Missouri Representative Adam Schwadron joining us today at 7.30 a.m. Central to react. We'll talk to him a little bit about uh, many state representatives who ended up going to that Super Bowl parade yesterday, taking the day off work and showing up at that event. I'm hearing from friends and neighbors and family around the state who are saying that some of them are still waiting to hear about their their family and their children. And it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's uh, the Wake Up America show and we stream live from Jefferson City, Missouri. The capital of Missouri, the home of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're glad to have you here. We've got rare Camellia Peterson who will be joining us this morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. She'll also react to the news. We'll talk to her a little bit about the third party factor in the 2024 elections. At 8.30 a.m. Central Time, we'll speak to Daniela Pensack. Walt Disney leaning even more into politics with a big investment into diversity, equity, inclusion. Some people don't seem to be learning their lessons. All that and more. Do us a favor, click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show uh, streams live and we'd love to have you come back here and join us on the regs. You can text the show and let us know what's on your mind, your thoughts on the news of the day, or if there's a breaking news story that we might be missing. Remember, we don't have a news team here. It's all me, just AP. And sometimes Stephanie helps me out with things too. So uh, you can send us a text message anytime, night or day. Even if you're listening to the audio version later, uh, you can say, hey, Austin, I liked this segment. I didn't like that. Maybe you should have this guest on. And that text line is always open, 573 573- 319-1586. Again, that text line is open at 573-319-1586. One more time, 573-319-1586. I pulled together a bunch of clips of the incident which occurred. We are going to go through some of these. My sister and nephew, uh, Jody and Mario, were at the parade yesterday. Thankfully, they left just before the incident occurred at the end of the parade. So. My family was not harmed. However, many other family members did have tragic, nearly life-ending injuries, and one person was killed, a Kansas City radio DJ. The violence ended with one person dead, confirmed. More than 20 other people were shot, including a number of children, and three people have been detained in this continuing investigation. Lisa Lopez-Galvin She was a DJ at a local radio station, KKFI. She died in the shooting, a senseless tragedy on a day that was supposed to be a celebration. Now, officials had deployed a large law enforcement presence, more than 800 officers, in anticipation of the big crowd that had gathered to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win. Security was in a number of places, on top of buildings and beyond. Uh, parades, rallies, and schools, movies, it seems like almost nothing is safe, said Mayor Quentin Lucas. Police Chief Stacy Graves, who was outside when the shots were fired, said, said one suspect was immediately pursued on foot. 
Fire Chief Ross Grundison said 22 people were shot, one fatally, eight had immediately life-threatening injuries, seven had life-threatening injuries, six had minor injuries, several of the gunshot victims were children, according to a Children's Mercy spokeswoman. Uh, from some of the video footage that came out, it appears as if the uh, one of the shooters, at least, was detained by civilians uh, who, on the street, uh, managed to tackle one of the shooters. I managed to find one of the, uh, the heroic uh, American citizens who stepped up in their time of need. Let's take a look and a listen. One guy was hollering, saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing, running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering. So I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down, and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? Give it up for this man. He stood up in his uh, fellow citizens time of need a very brave and heroic act this man stepped up and says he didn't hesitate when he saw the shooter running by he tackled him and another gentleman grabbed him as well there you go so obviously we are going to be covering this quite a bit this morning in the first hour but just a little bit of house cleaning for those who have been enjoying the bonus content on the wake up america show today's is well, I think probably the best piece of bonus content that I've produced for the show, I think it will be quite a surprise to you all if you manage to unlock today's bonus content with one of our most libertarian presidents in American history. It's a name that I think many of you probably won't even recognize, even those who are up to, up to speed on your history. The week, this week in our bonus content, the theme has been the most libertarian presidents in U.S. history. And today's U.S. president is one that I spent a, a, an inordinate amount of time researching for this video, which I hope that you all will unlock by the end of the show. If you'd like to unlock the bonus content, you can make a Rumble Rant donation to the show, or you can purchase items from APForLibertyShop.com. And if we receive $50 in donations or in shop purchases by the end of the two-hour episode, then you will unlock today's bonus content. It is extra special, and I think that it, it, it's definitely going to be the kind of thing that will inspire you and make you rethink, um, make you rethink you know, how you look at the U.S. presidency and what we should expect from our current leadership. So make a Rumble Rant donation today. Uh, if we receive $50 by the end of the show, then you will see the bonus content, one of the most libertarian presidents, in U.S. history. All right. Uh, two of the shooters who were detained, or excuse me, at least three of these teens uh, were arrested for this mass shooting at the Kansas City Bro. Parade. They were taken into custody, as you can see here from the um, no way, videos bro. that were released. Yeah, Bro. two of the people here, or three, excuse me, three of them who were detained 
uh, at the parade. You can see from the overhead shots here, this is the, sh this is the shot of that person who was grabbed by the citizens. Notice that it was the citizens who stepped up first. And there, there you can see it slowed down. The person had brought an actual rifle to the parade. Um, check this out, the slowed down footage here. You can see here's an, a citizen who picks up the rifle and walks off with it right there. Someone decided to bring a rifle to the parade. Um, and here are the police here uh, detaining uh, one of the individuals. We tackled him. Yeah. When, when we tackled him, the gun came out. We got it. Who's on the gun? Back up, back up. Hey, hey, I've got the gun. Hey, I've got the gun. You filming this? Yeah. 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 Who was the other guy that helped me? Uh, I don't know. I think he took off already. tragedy. This is the video when the shots first rang out. This is Union Station across the street from the Liberty Memorial and the World War I Museum that I had just been recommending the other day that you all visit where this event happened. It's, I, I used to live just down the street, actually on the other side of Union Station. I used to live just behind Union Station at uh, Stewart Hall. Um, and uh, so it's, it's haunting seeing things like this happening in your hometown. Uh, thank you to Quest Fanning for that donation. We appreciate that says unleash the kraken yes we appreciate that 45 more dollars to go and we'll unlock that bonus content for you liberty shindig he took a guess at what he thinks the bonus content for today will be and liberty shindig i'm going to tell you you are wrong you are way no, off god <laughs> no god this please, is the moment no. in the channel no. 41 live stream they realized they something was wrong at the parade channel 41 is a ubiquitous kansas city news station i rewound it to where it happens I mean, you heard Brett Beach mention it. You heard Mark Donovan mention it. Hey, we're going to get to him in just a bit, but we've got to talk and give props to a few people before the cage bird sings. Yes, yeah. So I think cage tiger. He said it was he was a cage tiger pacing back there. <laughs> uh, we've got a uh, crowds are dispersing. I think they're trying to. Um, a lot of them. And are it looks like to... they're running. Well, yeah, we might have a situation here. We're trying to keep an eye on. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on what's happening out in the crowd here at Union Station. We'll be sure to let you know the crowds are dispersing rather quickly, and it looks a little different than in normal. Yeah, years. we got a lot of people running a lot of. We're not directions. sure if they're rushing to their vehicles or to the shuttles, or if there is some sort of disturbance. But we'll definitely let you know. We, I can see people jumping the fence right now, and I'm not sure exactly where it is they are going to. There has been a heavy police presence here all day, um, and we certainly thank those law enforcement officers who are on the scene trying to keep people safe, but at this point, we don't know if there is a safety concern quite possible. Um, some people in the crowd are telling us to get down. Mm. Yeah, they're moving everybody indoors here as well. Okay, well, yeah, folks are moving indoors. Lawn. We're gonna try to figure out exactly what is taking place here. 
but you can see some folks kind of moving with pace right now. And at this point, I don't know if we have uh, crews back in the station who maybe want to take over for the audio so we can duck down if that is a uh, concern for our safety out here. All right, we're working on that. Um, so usually what happens after this, there is a private ceremony inside Union Station. Maybe you guys need to get the hell out of there. Um, so, I mean, there was just, a, for us, thankfully, for the Peterson family, there was just like a five-minute episode of fear where when uh, I got the news yesterday that there had been a shooting at the Kansas City Parade, I immediately knew that my sister and my nephew were there, and so my heart drops out of my chest and into my stomach. So I immediately start text messaging my sister, and then I'm calling my sister, and she answers, she's answering the phone, and then she hangs up. So I hear the crowds, and I hear people yelling, and I'm hearing commotion on the phone, and then she hangs up the phone. So I'm freaking out, okay? And we have a, a family chat that we use uh, in Messenger, just like all of our immediate family, just to communicate with one another. So I'm frantically sending messages. I'm calling my sister. She's answering the phone and then hanging up. Uh, I'm sending text messages. I'm not hearing anything. Uh, my heart is just boom, 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 boom. I feel like I'm going to be sick. And, um, you know, uh, thankfully, a couple of minutes later, she... She sent a text message saying she's okay. She uh, was just the reason why she was hanging up the phone was because uh, she was um, trying to coordinate with my dad because he had showed up I mean, just in time to pick her and Mario up. They left just in the nick of time right before things got bad. And uh, so thankfully I didn't have um, you know anything to worry about for very long. But I did hear from a friend this morning who said that she hasn't heard from her family yet. And uh, so I'm... I'm worried for her, and uh, I hope that her family's okay. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. Thankful to have you joining us live. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. If today's your first time watching the show, click that subscribe button over there at rumble.com. We are exclusive on Rumble for 30 days as part of their creator content or creator partner program. And we're thankful to rumble.com for hooking us up. We appreciate you. Nancy Solorio sending virtual hugs along with a donation. We appreciate you, Nancy. Thank you very much. We're now halfway to the goal of unlocking today's extra special bonus content. I hope you all will enjoy it. I made it special for you all. This week's theme is the most libertarian presidents in U.S. history. And I had a great time producing this content for you today. So if you'd like to unlock that bonus content, make a donation. By the end of the show, if you raise another $25, then that means that you get the unlock the bonus content. Thank you very much. Brandon Meyer over in the live stream says, this is bizarre as it is terrible. Boy, if that isn't the truth. Mighty Megatron says, I heard there were multiple shooters. Three people have been detained and taken into custody in Kansas City in connection with the deadly shooting, which killed one and injured 22 people yesterday at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Bruce Burtwistle says, what's the matter with people that they feel the only way they have to show their disagreement is with guns? A football parade? Are you kidding me? Amen, Bert, Bruce. 
blue sky says effing military on the roofs for the gentleman that took the shooter down. What the hell were they doing? Proof we are on our own. POSs. It's true. It's true. It was civilians that took down the shooter on their own. Uh, we heard from that gentleman earlier, but for those who must, might just be tuning in, this is one of the gentlemen who tackled one, one of the guy shooters. Was hollering and saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing, running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering. So I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I never think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but if I wasn't, it was like 30 seconds holding him down and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? Where's, you know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here, you know. So, of course, we're, you know, behind the times. This is Chiefs Mayor Quentin Lucas, um, uh, who was giving a speech there during that. Hold on, let me make sure I got the right video. That's what happens with guns. I won't get in a big debate right now. I think we're still doing an investigation, but I mean, what you saw happen was why people talk about guns a lot. We had over 800 officers there, staffed, situated all around Union Station today. We had security in, in any number of places, eyes on top of buildings and beyond. And there still is a risk to people. And I think that's something that all of us who are our parents, who are just regular people living each day, have to decide what we wish to do about it. Parades, rallies, schools, movies, it seems like almost nothing is safe. And we had hundreds of law enforcement there working hard today. And I want to, I, I do want to echo what the chief said, who were running towards danger. But in a matter of seconds, someone who wants to disrupt anything, someone who wants to create any type of situation, or someone who is very simply reckless, can change not just one life or two lives, but almost two dozen. And that, to me, is absolutely devastating. And it makes me feel vastly more concerned as a parent just in the world today thinking about that. Yeah, uh, Matt Unruh asked the question, uh, is that the mayor? Yes, that is the mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas. Thank you to Tony Martinez for your donation. We appreciate that. $10 more in the kitty. And now all we need to do is raise $15 more by the end of the show to unlock our bonus content. Looks like our friend Representative Adam Schwadron just walked into the studio there. Come on in, Adam. We'll get you in the chair. I'm going to go to a very brief commercial break. When we get... Ooh, excuse me. When we get back on the Wake Up America show, we're going to speak to Representative Adam Schwadron about the shooting in Kansas City. We're also going to talk a little bit about election integrity when we get back on the Wake Up America show at Wake Up America show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Do us a favor, click like and subscribe to the channel. If this is your first time watching us today, and I imagine that for the many hundreds and hundreds of people who are filing in and sitting down right now, this is the first time you've ever seen my face. Well, I'm Austin Peterson, and this is the Wake Up America Show, and we stream live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We talk about the news, a little bit of politics, we have a little bit of fun, and sometimes we even do a little bit of karaoke. So if that's your bag, baby, you're in the right place. Economic freedom and personal liberty is what we're all about. Obviously, the big news today. 22 people were injured, one person killed in a mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday. Many Missouri State representatives managed to attend that event. Some people are still waiting to hear back on the status of their loved ones, and our hearts are with them this morning. John and KC over at the Rumble Chat this morning, he tuned in, offered us a little bit of insight. He says that he was there. He was just walking away as the rally had ended. He said that it sounded like a war zone with all the shots that were fired by the perpetrators. We'll be talking a little bit about that with my next guest, Rep Missouri Representative Adam Schwadron. He is not only a Missouri State Rep, but he's also running for Secretary of State here in the state of Missouri. Welcome, Adam Schwadron. Good morning, Adam. How are you, sir? Good morning, Austin. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. Do me a favor, uh, Adam, and just kind of introduce yourself for those of uh, for the people who are tuning in. This is your first time on the show, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Representative Adam Schwadron. I represent the 105th district in St. Charles, Missouri. Pretty much the southern half of the city of St. Charles is where I represent. I'm a small business owner, a lifelong uh, Missourian. I've always I was born and raised in the St. Louis area. Moved out to St. Charles. Uh, beautiful wife and two wonderful daughters, Emma and Ella, ages eight and 11. So, Adam, your reaction to the uh, tragedy that occurred in our home state yesterday? Yeah, anytime there's a shooting, it's always a tragedy. It's it's always difficult. Uh, and my hearts go out to the victims, their families, anyone that was affected by it. Uh, it's It's just heartbreaking that there are people out there that feel that they need to do uh, anything like that, especially in a setting such as a Super Bowl victory parade. Now, uh, the mayor of Kansas City, his reaction to it that we just played was he says, this is what happens when you have guns. Your reaction to that? You take a look at England, they've got a knife problem. You can't legislate hate out of people's hearts. And so for me, the gun was the tool that was used. And it's unfortunate that that's what people feel that they need to use in order to carry out these crimes. But you always need to put the blame where it belongs. And that is squarely on the perpetrators that are doing these horrific and heinous acts. I mean, the 10 of the people who were injured were children. I mean, what what is what what goes on in these people's minds? I mean, we can't we can't live in a world where we could possibly analyze it with 800 police officer presence. Is it going to stop this kind of stuff? I mean, why do people think, what, what is the solution to th something like this, Adam? Yeah, that's a million dollar question that, uh, that everyone's trying to answer. Uh, there's one side that's saying it's the guns, it's the guns. And, uh, you know, people like myself are saying, no, it's the perpetrators. Uh, so we need to figure out at the root base of it all. Uh, we, there are states out there that have tried to legislate guns away. They still have an issue with guns. So I think you need to look at the people that are committing these crimes and ask, why are they doing this? 
It's it's funny how it it seems that maybe this is just a conspiracy theory guy in me. It seems as if there uh, incidents like these happen more often in election years. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it's a psyop, but it just always seems to be that things like this happen. I mean, listen, Kansas City is a beautiful city. It's my it's the city that I was raised in. I, you know, I was born in Independence and uh, raised on a horse farm in Peculiar and. Whenever we wanted to go out and have a good time or, you know, we would go to the plaza. We would go and hang out downtown in Kansas City. So when we see things like this happen and it hits closer to home, my sister uh, and my nephew were there. So I had you know, a heart attack for five minutes yesterday until I found out that they were safe. People are going to demand that something be done, right? Whenever there's a tragedy or there's an incident, something is going to get done. And my fear is always that anytime that there's a tragedy like this, the response is going to be Adam that we're going to take away people's liberty. What is a response to something like this that is reasonable, that doesn't involve taking away people's individual rights? You know, that's another great question there. Uh, I am also on the side of uh, caution when it comes to taking away people's rights and liberties. Uh, there is a reason that we have the Second Amendment. And um, I think to answer your earlier question, I don't think they just happen more in election years. I think they just get reported uh, in a higher frequency when they happen. But uh, again, it's it's something that we have to sit down. Both sides have to come together and say, all right, we have the sides of the right here where it's you have people's personal liberties that you need to balance. There is a concern. You know, I'm Jewish. So when I see what happened in Israel on October 7th, the people there were not armed and they were just run roughshod by an opposing force. And with what's happening on our southern border, we have no idea who's coming across. So you're damn right. I'm carrying. Hopefully I can say that on here, uh, but <laughs> you're I'm always safe, carrying. It's a safe space for people like yourself. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm carrying because as the only practicing Jewish member of the legislature, I'm a target. And I will be damned if I will be a sitting target. Yesterday, I had State Rep Tony Lavasco on the show. We're big fans of his. He came on here to uh, talk a little bit about um, his new legislation that he's proposed, which would prevent the state of Missouri or any uh, government agency from destroying guns like what occurred in St. Louis the other day. Um, several state representatives were not at their post yesterday. They had uh, decided to take the day off and go to the victory parade rather than to go and do the business of the citizens. Um, was that appropriate in your mind? You can't anticipate something like this was happening. It's a joyous time. Uh, people from Kansas City want to celebrate back-to-back -back Super Bowl championships. It's not something that happens often, so I don't blame them for going. Uh, however, we still do have a job to do. Uh, we are in here for a limited time. I'm still here in Jefferson City. I had a committee meeting at 8 a.m. yesterday, had to offer up an amendment to make a, a bill better. So I was here ready to work, taking care of business. Uh, it would be nice to have most people here so we can actually do the people's business. What are your legislative priorities for this year, Representative? Uh, as I mentioned, as a Jewish American, uh, I have the Nonprofit Safety and Security Task Force and Supplemental Fund. This is my number one priority this year. Slow that down, Representative. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it to us like we're five. Uh, I was just about to get into that. Okay. So this bill would create a task force uh, that would help nonprofits that are at elevated risk of terrorist threat, uh, which 
right now is mostly the Jewish community, 2% of the population, yet more than 50% of the what's classified as hate crimes happen to them. So on the federal level, they already have this fund. And they are able to apply for grants to help beef up security, uh, harden their buildings because of the unfortunate uh, society we live in, that there are people that have hate and they will figure out a way to carry out that hate. Uh, this would create a supplemental fund as well on the state level that they could apply for these grants. Uh, so if they miss out on the federal level, they get a second bite of that apple here on the state level. Okay, uh, so not a bad um, uh, proposal. Uh, any other uh, more general uh, legislations or bills that you're uh, that you're attempting to pass this year? Maybe something that you're co-sponsoring that you're interested in? Yeah, uh, one of the other things I've got my election bill. Um, unfortunately, I may have uh, made the speaker a little upset by asking for him to step aside with everything going around in his situation. Um, but in my elections bill, I do have absentee ballot signature verification. I have the Missouri Election Sovereignty Act, which is declaring our elections ours to run in Missouri and any attempt by the federal government to step in and tell us that, yeah, you need to do mail-in ballots. Well, I'm going to use my size 15 boot and kick them out of this state. You wear a size 15 boot? Yes. Damn. How tall are you, Adam? I am uh, six foot five. Oh, man. Your wife's a lucky lady. All right. Well, uh, if you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, like I imagine a thousand of you are for the first time. Nice to see you. Welcome to the show. Who that? I'm AP, the Wake Up America show host. People call me AP. My name's Austin Peterson. We'll be glad to have you come back and join us here on The Regs. Every Monday through Friday, this show streams live, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. And we'd be glad to have you come here and join us uh, Monday through Friday. Do me a favor. Click that like, subscribe to the channel, and come back and make friends. Y'all come back now here. We'd appreciate that. I'm speaking to Missouri State Representative Adam Schwadron. We're talking not only about his legislative priorities, we've also covered the tragedy at the shooting in Kansas City yesterday at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Now I'd like to move on to another topic, which is of utmost concern, not just to people in the state of Missouri, but to people around the country, and that is election integrity. Uh, Adam, Representative Schwadron here is running for Secretary of State of Missouri, which means that he would be tasked with uh, overseeing elections here in the state of Missouri. Now, one thing that I've noticed, Adam, is that uh, when you speak to uh, Republican secretaries of state, 100% of them say that their states have completely free and fair elections and their election integrity is sacrosanct and none of them have any problems. When you ask them about other states' election integrity, they're terrible, they're bad, they're awful, and you know we need some kind of a federal rule that you know standardizes elections to ensure that we don't have election fraud. So what's the disconnect? I think the disconnect is the party that's running uh, these elections. Uh, you take a look in the city of St. Louis and the history of election fraud that has happened there. Most recently in 2014, there was absentee ballot fraud in a state representative primary where they had to redo that election because it was found that there were so many ballots coming from one nursing home address and that all the signatures were a little off. And so uh, the first person that won because of the fraud ended up losing in that re-election or the, the redo of that election. So uh, secretaries of state, and I believe, yeah, there was a Democrat secretary of state at the time, Jason Kander, 
So you need to take a look at the state laws. I don't think the federal government needs to come down and tell states how to run their elections. We need to make sure that the states are independent. However, when it comes to the presidential election, that does affect all of us there. And so when you see things like uh, happened in Pennsylvania, where the judges said, you know what, ignore the state law, we'll take care of things differently. Uh, that then gets into affecting our votes here in Missouri. Do you believe that the 2020 election was stolen? It depends how you define stolen. Uh, I think there were things done that helped Democrats in certain states uh, that they might see as legally done. So it, it's going to be difficult to come down. You know, it's politics. There's never a black and white answer. If Donald Trump was considering you, to, in, to be endorsed for Secretary of State, and he asked you, Adam, was the 2020 election stolen? What would you say to him, Adam? I would say that it was stolen from you in certain states, yes. Okay, that's all I ask. I, I just, I think that's important because he is a stickler for that fact. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it was stolen. I would have to say no, despite the fact that everybody would hate me and kick my ass and I'd be run out of the Republican Party just because I, while I look at that issue of Pennsylvania and what you're talking about, it, w the problem was that in the litigation that occurred after the fact with Trump appointed judges, unanimously, every time they rejected the arguments that the Republicans had been making. These are people mm -hmm. that, you know, they had loyalty to Donald Trump. Yep. They had a reason, you know, if they wanted patronage then they wanted to continue to stay on his good side, mm -hmm. then they li likely could have found in his favor. But, you know, you know, dominoes kept falling one after one in each state, suggesting the opposite. Adam, do you think that these judges decided wrongly? There's always disagreements when it comes to judges. Uh, I believe there are certain cases where there are valid questions as to how the election was conducted. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, in my opinion, I say, yes, it was stolen using the legal means to do so. Uh, so there's ways to. Uh, take care of things, essentially. Our current Secretary of State is Jay Ashcroft. He's running for governor of Missouri at the time. Um, do you think he's done a good job as Secretary of State? Absolutely. He's done a great job. Uh, people have a lot of confidence in our elections. There are still some people that don't have confidence. And that's what I want to speak to as well. I want to make sure that at the end of Election Day, everyone has confidence that the Results reported are the true and accurate results cast by the people. Would you like to see him become governor or do you have someone else in mind? Uh, I'm still weighing my options on uh, governor. I am leading towards Ashcroft. Uh, Why? I, I get along with him a lot uh, when it comes to policy. Uh, I've been working with him a lot. Being on the elections committee in the House, I work closely with his office. So I do have that natural relationship there with him. Why not uh, Bill Igel or um, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe? I haven't developed the relationship yet. Bill is my state senator. Uh, we've had a handful of conversations in the building. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just policy, it's also the way you handle yourself. And to me, uh, Bill just has not been the type of person that I could see working with. What does that mean? Uh, the first major conversation I had policy-wise with him was when it came to redistricting and the congressional maps. And this was after we perfected the vote. He came to my office and demanded that we needed to 
sit back or bring back the maps, reconsider, and pass a 7-1 map because the House had just voted on a 6-2 map. And I told him, I'm a freshman representative. I have no power in the House. But he still was demanding that I needed to take the charge and work with my colleagues and bring it back up so we can have a 7-1 map. Do you have policy disagreements with Kehoe, or is it more personality-based like Eigel? I think it's uh, going to be policy-based with Kehoe, uh, is why I'm more considering Ashcroft. Uh, I'm a staunch conservative. Uh, some people would say libertarian-leaning as well. Uh, my ACU score, lifetime score, is a 90. And so I sit there and I see some of the policies that the state has put in place uh, with Kehoe when he was a state senator and as lieutenant governor. And I, I just have slight disagreements with those. I appreciate your openness and your honesty. A lot of people, a lot of politicians would give a politician answer for things like that. So you're very brave to say things like that openly, Adam, and I appreciate that. Um, you're running for secretary of state, so that puts you in a difficult position to, to say those kinds of things and to be honest and open on, uh, about those things. So. Tell me why you're running for Secretary of State of Missouri and what you plan to do. Yeah, I, as I said, I am running for Secretary of State to continue the job that Jay Ashcroft has done uh, to ensure that people do have confidence in their elections. There are still a few more things that need to be done. And as I also mentioned earlier with my Missouri Election Sovereignty Act, ensure that the federal government is not coming down and stepping on our necks and telling us how we need to run our elections. What's your everyday carry? I have, uh, you know, again, the, the, the central theme is uh, I am Jewish. And so I have the Masada Slim 9mm. It, it is from Israel. So Desert Eagle decaliber. Uh, Representative Adam Schwadron, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners or plug before we let you go? Yeah, if anyone uh, wants to reach out to me, to my campaign, you can find me at www.adamschwadron.com. I'm on Twitter at AJ Schwadron, or I guess X now. Uh, also on Facebook is my most state rep page. Uh, reach out, ask me questions. I like to be an open book on every piece of my literature. I even put my cell phone number. So if you find me out there, come get a piece of lit and then you'll have my cell phone number. All right. No crank calls, guys. I know you all are troublemakers over rumble.com. 1,265 people watching live. What's up? I see Bill Eigel and Mike Kehoe over there in the chat. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, Adam Schwadron, where can people find out more about your campaign? What's the website? AdamSchwadron.com. Uh, as I said, Schwadron. Schwadron. S C H. S C H W A D R O N. You know, it's funny. You're pronouncing it great, which is awesome. Yes. No one in the Capitol building knows how to pronounce my last Schwadron? name. No, I get uh, Schwadron. They throw an extra N. <laughs> they'll they'll move the R in front of the D, so I'll get Schwarden. I don't see what's so hard. I've been pronouncing it correctly my whole life. Right from back in the day. Representative Adam Schwadron running for Secretary of State of the State of Missouri, my home state. We're glad to have him here. Thank you, Representative. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have a good day, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Good luck out there on your campaign. All right, you can leave. Get out. We'll see you later, Adam. That's Representative Adam Schwadron. What would you guys think? You can click like or subscribe to the channel if you want to come back and join us. We have conversations just like that. Pretty much every day on the show, the Wake Up America show streaming live, we have excellent content, excellent guests. Uh, not only do we have interesting and unique points of view shared from people who are in elective office, people who are running for office, 
But we've also got a lot of great talk show regulars, people like Camelia Peterson, who will be joining us here in just about 15 minutes, live via Zoom. Look forward to hearing Camelia's point of view. She'll be reacting to the interview that we just had with Representative Adam Schwadron, and she's also going to talk to us a little bit about the nightmare that occurred in Kansas City yesterday with the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade, which we have been covering extensively this morning on the program. You can send us a text with your point of view at 573-319-1586. That's right. You can text the show anytime, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to hear from you. Looks like you guys are talking about the everyday carries over there in the chat. Well, she hiccup says 38 special is the jewish glock very funny <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed the interview brandon meyer and thank you all we just crossed the finish line for our bonus content congrats you unlocked it because of your donations that means that you guys get the special bonus content for today which is the theme of the top most libertarian presidents in u.s history so the uh, last three last three that we did was Calvin Coolidge, Grover Cleveland, and Martin Van Buren. Today's unlocked bonus content is da -da 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 -da, Chester A. Arthur. Enjoy the content. We'll be right back. Libertarian presidents, Chester Arthur, the man the presidency changed. President Barack Obama once remarked that the presidency amplifies who you are, suggesting that the office itself doesn't change a person's character but highlights it. Chester Allen Arthur, a wealthy New Yorker dismissed as unqualified and corrupt, defied expectations by evolving significantly once he became the nation's 21st president. Arthur, initially an honest lawyer and Civil War quartermaster, later succumbed to corruption as a political operative under Senator Roscoe Conkling embracing the spoils of the New York Custom House. Despite his questionable ethics and loyalty to Conkling's faction, Arthur was chosen as vice president to appease party factions, unexpectedly becoming president after Garfield's assassination. Arthur's presidency began under a cloud of suspicion and low expectations, with many fearing he would simply continue the corrupt practices of his political circle. A letter from Julia Sand, a New York woman, challenged Arthur to seize the opportunity to reform and rise above his past, marking a turning point in his presidency. Arthur assumed leadership during the Gilded Age, a time marked by rapid industrialization, vast economic disparities, and rampant corruption within the Republican Party and the spoils system. Against all odds, Arthur became an advocate for civil service reform surprising his critics and beginning to change public perception by distancing himself from the corrupt practices that had defined his political career. The Pendleton Civil Service Reform Act, signed by Arthur, became a landmark achievement in his presidency, illustrating his commitment to reform and shedding his image as a political puppet. Arthur's transformation from a machine politician to a respected leader was cemented by his refusal to seek re-election his preservation of Julia Sands' letters, and his changed public image by the end of his term. The lesson is clear. Change is possible, even for those who enter office under a cloud of doubt, if they choose to embrace the responsibilities of their role sincerely. Welcome back to the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. Nice to see 1,400 people watching live. We appreciate y'all very much. Did you enjoy that bonus content? That is Chester A. Arthur. 
One of the most libertarian presidents in U.S. history started out as a corrupt party boss, got elected, and then decided to change his ways. Once he became president of the United States, he enacted what we call these days draining the swamp. Uh, essentially civil service reform. Back in the day, they called it civil service reform. These days we call it draining the swamp. Wouldn't you like to see a Chester A. Arthur become president of the United States and truly drain the swamp? Do you think Donald Trump's gonna do it? Well, I'll be voting for him this fall in the hopes that he does. The Chester A. Arthur really demonstrated that it is possible for people to change their ways. And I think that of all of the presidents in U.S. history who deserves a second look, Chester Arthur is one of them. Unfortunately, he died 18 months into his term as president of the United States. He had been suffering from a disease called Bright's disease, which was a disease of the kidneys. He knew that at any time his kidneys could fail. And of course, in the late 1800s, there would be no dialysis treatment that could potentially save the life of the president of the United States even. It makes you really wonder when you think about people complaining about the American healthcare system, would you rather live in the late 1800s or would you rather live in our system today? Broken though it may be, it does remind you how great it is to be an American. The other day I was doing research for that bonus content and I was reading the story of another American president by the name of Zachary Tyler, or Zachary Taylor? Zachary Taylor, yes. And uh, he actually died because uh, during, I think it was a 4th of July celebration, he was eating iced milk and cherries, uh, and then he died two days later of a sour stomach. Some people had thought that Zachary Taylor, who was a Mexican-American war uh, uh, veteran and a general, uh, some people thought that he was poisoned, but apparently decades later, they did an exhumation of President Zachary Taylor's remains and determined that he was not actually poisoned he just died of natural causes from some kind of a gastrointestinal and gastrointestinal bug that he acquired. Some people thought it was possible that he they called it tainted milk and cherries that he had been eating. And the possibility was that he just had, you know, it, it's like the Oregon Trail. You died of dysentery. It's the 1800s. What are you going to do? But if you've been enjoying the uh, the extra bonus content this uh, this month that we've been pushing out, thank yourselves. Not only have I been producing it, but you've been buying it. Uh, sometimes the Wake Up America show gets featured at Rumble.com like we are right now, which has brought the 1,400 people who are watching us live to the show. And uh, we love meeting all of our new friends, people like Kathy Yet, uh, Viv, For You, who just subscribed to the channel, thank you. We're grateful to have you here. We love seeing all the new names and faces. Q Fay, who's been joining us lately. East Coast Toasty Boy, who we haven't seen in a while. Chrissy Katz, looks like a new friend this morning. Hi, Chrissy. Pick up one. Somniferum 75. It's nice to see all of the regulars along with our new names and faces. So we appreciate the opportunity to serve you and to give you that bonus content. And we're grateful to all of the supporters, people like Nancy Solorio and Quest Fanning, so many others uh, who have made these donations to unlock that bonus content that I've produced for you. So in conjunction together, you're helping us to create a nice little fund for my upcoming baby. That's right. My lovely wife, Stephanie's pregnant, and she's going to be joining us on the show tomorrow. For many of you who are watching the Wake Up America show live for the very first time, um, you kind of you probably don't know the routine. We have regular guests, and Fridays on the show, 
is what we call Freedom Family Fridays. So me, my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie, and the baby will be joining us. Uh, she joins us every Friday. And my brother, Justin Peterson, streams in live from Boston. And everybody loves Justin. He's fun. He's funny. He's handsome. And he's my brother. And I learned a lot from him. And I think a lot of people really enjoy his uh, his appearances on the show. We always like to have regular guests on the program, as well as new guests like Adam Schwadron, who we just heard from a few minutes ago. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to speak to Camelia Peterson. She is not a S-E-N Peterson. She's an S-O-N Peterson. Uh, don't be too disappointed. Everybody really enjoys Camelia's regular guest appearances that are every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. Central Time. Do you like Judge Andrew Napolitano? He joins us on Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Central Time. He's a great guest, comes in to give his libertarian point of view. This show is a, a show that is by libertarians for the general public is the way that I think about it. Most of the time when you watch libertarian podcasts or talk shows, it's like they spend 45 minutes talking about Bitcoin or some esoteric libertarian concept that doesn't necessarily apply to your daily life. The way I like to think of the Wake Up America show is that we're a bunch of freak show libertarians who put on a family style morning talk show that's better than Good Morning America, more informative than your local news talks, talk radio station, and a hell of a lot more fun than just goofing around playing some something that doesn't matter. So if you like to be informed about, about what's happening in the world, if you like to have a good laugh, and if you enjoy the concept of making friends as an adult, you're in the right place. MSH21 says, I don't like canned laughter unless that's part of the show, obviously. Oops. We've got, a, it's not canned, uh, it's live. Everybody here is joining us live. Nice to see the studio audience here as well. Give us an applause. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Uh, Floby Tenderson here as well. MSH21, first time here. I hope that you enjoy the show despite no, the canned laughter. God. I know. No, God. I know. MSH21, here's the canned laughter and it pulling that best Greta How Thunberg impression. You? Yes. But uh, listen, America, America is a place is a that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in a. All right. So. Real quick, before we go get Camelia Peterson, for those of you who are just tuning into the show live, we do have a merch shop for the for the uh, show. It's a great way for you to get some of the best coffee in the world. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh no, he's got another coffee brand or an influencer. Yes, but the difference is, is that my coffee is absolutely delicious and it's one of the most delicious coffees I've ever tasted in my life. Obviously I'm biased, but here is how I can prove it. If you buy a box of Founding Flavors coffee, and you don't like it, I will buy it back from you. So you have no obligation or risk. If you try Founding Flavors Coffee, buy a box today at apforlibertyshop.com. And if you don't like it, after your first cup, send it back and I will refund you and I will drink it because I love it. Madisonian Morning is our newest flavor. It's a light roast, which means lots of caffeine. When they lightly roast the beans, that leaves more caffeine. And James Madison, the author of the Constitution, is the namesake for our newest flavor. Madisonian Morning Light Roast, available at apforlibertyshop.com. You can do a one-time purchase, or you can subscribe and save money every one month, every two months, three months. Some people are super addicted, and they do it every two weeks. 
sometimes people get confused when they're buying the coffee and they forget that they have to click here to decide whether they want whole bean or ground. So make sure that you do that you click on that little button there to tell me would you like whole bean or ground. And remember, if you buy more than one box, then the savings add up. So visit apforlibertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, apforlibertyshop.com. And when we get back, we're going to talk to Camilla Peterson about the incident in Kansas City. Don't go away. Just go ahead and have a little fun in the gift shop uh, while we go to commercial break. I promise I'll be right back. Two shakes of a lamb's tail on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Thanks for waiting. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. 1,100 people joining us live. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. It's not a robot over there at rumble.com. It's Michael Zakari, Siraj Hashmi, or Chris Pavlovsky, and the team over at rumblevideo.com, which we are now streaming exclusively for the next 30 days as part of their creator partner program. Uh, thank you very much. We appreciate your rumble.com. Thanks for introducing us to all these thousands of lovely people. God, they're good looking. We're thankful to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel that you're watching right now. Rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. Who's AP? That's me. I believe in economic freedom and personal liberty. So if that's your bag, baby, you're in the right place. We always like to have lots of fun here on the show that streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. A great way to start your day. Especially beautiful when you have a piping hot thermos full of Founding Flavors coffee that you can get exclusively at APforLibertyShop.com. Have I become an expert in the art of the pitch? I mean, come on. How much better can you get? I promoted everything in the first 30 seconds. I used to work in radio, so they would like hit me over the head with promote, 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 promote. And uh, now I'm their worst nightmare because I've got my own show and I'm pretty sure sometimes more people listen to this than listen to the old radio show. But of course, that's thanks to Rumble.com. One of my old guests and friends on my old radio show, she was a regular guest then and she's a regular guest now. She's a fellow Missourian. Her name's Camelia Peterson. And she's joining us live right now. What's up, CJ? How are you doing today? Good morning. Uh, good to be here again, as usual. It's, I, it, you know, I think it was probably a little bit um, different for us because we've had so many Missouri people on the show this morning. And so the mood is a little different just because of what happened in Kansas City being in our state. It's a little closer to home. Yeah, it is. And obviously, I've been you know kind of struggling with how to cover that this morning, you know, it, was be, it being so personal. You probably heard me talking about how Jody and Mario were there yesterday. My, my, my sister and nephew, for those who don't know, Jody and, and my nephew Mario were at the Kansas City Chiefs parade yesterday. So thankfully they were okay. Uh, but there was a five minute period of terror when I was calling her and I would hear the crowd screaming and then the phone would hang up. So I'm obviously terrified that something's going on and that she's like cowering in fear or getting crushed by the crowd or something like that. But Thankfully, they had left the area just before this had occurred. She was trying to coordinate with my dad and everybody was okay. But I heard this morning, Camelia, from someone who is one of our friends uh, in the channel, and she has not heard from her family members yet. And I don't know, how does something like that happen in the 21st century? I don't know, but like, it's not good. And honestly, this is terrifying that this happens in our home state like this, Camelia. Your reaction? It is scary. And I think that, um, you know, especially, especially when you hear about the kids, 
Like that's the worst of all. And um, the person that was killed was a mother of two. And so I think particularly when you have, you have family that are there or when you are a parent and that's your worst fear in the world, trust me, you know, like the, there's like a little thing. If you think that you cannot get in touch with your child, I've had that happen one time and it was very minor, but like panic sets in almost immediately um, when you feel like you, you don't know um, where your child is or if they're safe or if something's wrong and you have no control over that situation. That's the most helpless feeling in the world and it, and it is terrifying. And so I cannot, um, yeah. I, and I think that if something happens like that where she can't reach her family, you don't know if something has happened, maybe they're in a hospital or there are our children there and they just can't, they can't get to they're not in a place where they can contact people, but it is hard to imagine that you can't reach somebody in this day and age. And there could be any number of explanations, I suppose, but you read the stories about, you know, how kids were separated from their parents. I saw people posting online that, you know, they're there without their kids, but as everybody is running, because you don't know where to go, you don't know the safe spot to get to, you're grabbing kids as you go and sheltering them. You don't know whose kids they are, but you know, that's, that's what you do. And so that's, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that situation. My heart goes out to those people. I will tell you one of the most disappointing things that I've seen come out of this is that um, immediately on, on social media platforms, especially on Twitter, I think, because it moves the quickest when it comes to news, you saw people immediately politicizing it and going to the gun control rhetoric or, you know, uh, Adam Schwadron mentioned Jason Kander as a former secretary of state and he's run for office in Missouri too. And he's well known here. He, almost immediately took to Twitter to say, you know, I've been sick all day, but I'm going to get out of bed and get myself ready because I'm going to go on TV and I am mad as hell. And I am going to talk about how that we need to hold gun manufacturers responsible. Like this is the first thing we go to anymore. I was thinking about this a lot last night and, you know, every once in a while I hear, well, I'll hear somebody seems like recently, you know, referenced that post 9-11 time period when, um, you know, it felt, felt like every, the whole country came together. And I think that happens when you have, you know, a, a, just a tremendous tragedy. I don't know, you know, as long that's been over 20 years ago now, it's hard to imagine. Um, and I don't know if that would happen today. I'm not sure that we would see the same response because now when we see, you know, like devastating senseless violence, there's no, uh, there seems to be no good reason for it. Um, instead of, you know, being, they're not consumed with demanding justice of the perpetrators, but they'd rather, you know, wield these kind of tra tragedies as a political cudgel, um, you know, or take to social media for like self-righteous displays of, you know, empathy. And it's, it's more a way of people personally elevating their own agendas and themselves. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of times how that people like to say, you know, that social media has made us worse and it's so evil and we want to ban this and ban that. And I'm not the first to say this, but, you know, maybe this is just who we are as people and social media just takes the mask off and, you know, maybe we just, maybe we need to be better humans. Um, but that's really the most disappointing part about, um, you know, a tragedy like this is the response to it. And I will say, I'm just going to call out some of our Missouri people because I'm a little disappointed. I'm not going to name names, but I will tell you, we have people in the legislature and um, in the political realm 
who took to social media and just total lack of self-awareness um, and of reading the room in this kind of a situation. And they started talking about how that certain people didn't go to the parade and why they didn't go to the parade. And I'm like, and it's kind of, there's a, a self-righteous element to that. And I'm like, this is, this is not the time for that. Don't do that. Um, just, <laughs> I don't know. you know, like, have some awareness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, for those who are tuning into the Wake Up America show live this morning, 1,200 of you, thank you for joining us. Please do click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching right now and come back and join us tomorrow morning. We'd be grateful and glad to have you here. I see Wellness by Michelle just subscribed to the channel. Welcome, Michelle. We're glad to have you here and we hope to make friends. I'm speaking to Camelia Peterson. She is a friend of this show. She's an activist for liberty here in the state of Missouri. And she joins us here Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central Time. We're talking about the nightmare that occurred yesterday in Kansas City at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Camille and I are both Missouri residents, uh, activists here in the state of Missouri. So this is something that touches us very personally as well. Um, 800 police officers there and the people who stepped in to do the tackling were private citizens. Surprised? No. I think that, you know, for all of the negative that I just talked about, I still believe that there uh, there is an enormous innate amount of good in people and that there are, are more people than not who will step up and at risk to their own lives will um, will take steps to for the safety of other people. Yeah. So I I'm not I'm not surprised at all. And I think that we see it happen all the time. And when it does happen, I'm so glad to see it elevated because I don't think we see that enough because it's very easy to focus on all of the negative. And speaking of the pol immediate politicization, uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas says this is uh, what happens when you have guns. But I mean, Missouri is an open carry state. It's a concealed carry state. Um, it's a Republican state and it's a very pro-gun state, but there will be a push very likely for some kind of gun measures. And, you know, sadly, probably the pro-gun bills that Tony Lavasco introduced two days ago are probably dead on arrival here in Missouri, are they not? I, I don't doubt it. Um, I will say that Kansas City and St. Louis and Missouri, um, as no surprise to anyone, have the highest <laughs> murder rates. Kansas City had a record year last year, 182 murders. So this is not, um, you know, for all the talk about gun policy and in St. Louis right now, they have been for, you know, a few months now, they've been trying in the city to pass gun control for the city itself. And they, and here we have, I was actually kind of surprised to see the St. Louis Police Department, you know, post that about destroying all of the guns because there's been so much uh, attention on that. And there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the state is going to take back control of the St. Louis Police Department, um, specifically because we have, there's, there's, so, there's so much crime in the city that it's out of control. And they have, you know, they've had prosecutors who have just been letting people go back on the street with, with no, you know, no investigation at all. And so that I think is being addressed right now. We've had some things come up um, and some changes made in that respect in St. Louis that is being addressed, which is a good thing. But I'm not sure that, um, you know, I'm not sure that that's the case in Kansas City. And you do hear, I will say that I, um, I was somewhat pleased to hear um, Mayor Lucas talk about 
um, he he's moderated how he responded to that question. Some right. He did kind of say we need to talk about the guns, but we're still investigating. So he could have leaped to the most extreme response, which we saw so many people do in talking about, you know, outright gun control um, or holding the manufacturers responsible. But um, absolutely, we're going to see this ramp up. It's going to be worse because it's an election year, as you mentioned. Uh, that's clearly, though, if they are looking to other states and cities where there is uh, gun control and much more than in Missouri, the crime rate is up. I mean, Chicago. Hello. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know that that's the answer, but for sure, we are going to be we're going to be having to deal with it now. No, for sure, Camelia. And uh you know, I like to consider myself something of an unofficial, unelected ambassador for Kansas City because I do love my home city so much. And things like this makes it really difficult to try and make the pitch to people for why they might consider, you know, moving to Kansas City or to the Midwest. Um, things were really going well for us here in Missouri, at least on the Kansas City side of things. You know, not just the Super Bowl wins, but all of the associated economic activity related to that. And then um, you know, what's uh, occurring uh, with the investments into Kansas City and the growth and the culture and well, hell, you know, this Saturday, I'm going to be in Kansas City having, um, you know, lunch for my birthday. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, it, it just, it, it affects us personally when we see things like this, because we then have to look at the rest of the country and sort of explain ourselves to some sense, right? We, we don't have to, but I mean, I, you know, I guess I feel a bit of a responsibility as an emissary for my home city that it's a sense of embarrassment, I guess, that you feel when right. you see something like this happen. Because the racial angle on this one is one that is probably not going to get discussed because mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about the guns, but Mayor Quentin Lucas didn't suggest that the subculture of violent blacks in Kansas City is a problem that politicians don't have the king balls to address until we address the violent subculture of minorities and blacks in these cities that have overtaken our cities with violence and commit a disproportionate amount of the violence in these inner cities we are not going to start solving the problem do i think that the minority uh, violent subcultures is the 100 percent the problem no. Do I think it's a big part of the problem? Absolutely, I do. And unfortunately, we have politicians who are paralyzed and enthrall to their uh, to their constituencies so much that there can't be reform in these communities. It can't be like what happened when we had the Irish as a violent subculture here in the United States. When the Irish were treated as second-class citizens in the United States until they finally started to ingratiate themselves into society. Why is it that minorities see themselves as othered in the society, and so so much so that they create a culture that is alien to ourselves and then enacts violence upon the majority in this country? I don't think it has to be something that's inevitable, but it's something unique to American culture and especially to our urban inner cities. How would you address something like that, Camelia? 
I think this is the hardest question of all, right? And it's it is the one that I think politicians don't know how to address because it's a deeply cultural issue. And when you talk about minority groups, and I've had um, you know people talk to me, you know, that are from those groups in the city of St. Louis, and the generational. Um, it's a generational thing, right? And he talked about, you know, he said, what was, you know, when you think about an institution that, um, you know, black people um, are known for, um, he was like, what would you think of? And so, uh, you know, one of the first things that came to mind was the church. And he's like, and he, that's what he was thinking of. And so when he he was talking about how that, you know, year, like hundreds of years ago, or, you know, even after, you know, slavery was done away with in black churches, Politicians would come in and pay preachers to come and, you know, spout their propaganda and it could be outright lies and the pastors could know that. But I think that those groups are vulnerable to manipulation by people who want to control them as an end to their own as, as a means to their own ends. Yeah, and so super, and they're very deeply superstitious. They're very deeply superstitious. So they're very easily conned by medicine men. Sure. And, you know, yesterday, right after this happened, um, I mean, speaking of politicians, like a candidate texted me and he said, um, you know, instead of clamoring about gun control, they need to be clamoring about broken and decaying homes that raise, you know, these cold and hardened monsters. And that it, it's a heart issue. And it does go back to the foundation of, you know, our families and our homes and mental health stability and the stability in families and boys having good father figures, because the reality is, is, is the father these, figures. I mean, no matter what, you know, the people who want to say there's no such thing as gender anymore, the harsh reality is, is that the vast majority of crimes are committed by men. And it's worse, I think, now because we have such a problem with fatherless homes. And you know what? People can say, okay, well, you know, um, the problem is the divorce rate. You know, that's not necessarily the case. You can have um, you can have families of all different shapes and sizes and situations. And if you have that male uh, father figure who is still involved and pouring into that child's life, I mean, that's that's all it takes. And that's where when, you know, when we say it takes a village to raise a child, it's true in that respect. And this hyper focus on the nuclear family is part of what has gotten us here, because when that father figure, for whatever reason it is, it doesn't matter why, steps out of the picture. If you don't have that extended family in that community to come around you and support you, then you have no father figure at all. There have been, I mean, throughout history, other men have stepped into the shoes of biological fathers and filled that role. And we don't see that as much. And I don't know, you know, I think that's the struggle. The answer that we struggle to find is is in today's I mean, day and age. How do we get we, there? Here's the thing, you know, we've we've marginalized men in our society to an extent and father you know, being a father, we, we demonize men and we, we, you know, there is, there's what is spoken and there is what is unspoken. And when something is spoken, when you say, I'm a strong, independent woman who don't need no man, I can raise my kids on my own. I'm a single mom, right? What, what is unspoken there is that there is no need that, that the role of the father figure it being denigrated is not useful here the problem is is that it's it's politically incorrect 
to be a man in American society, because to display the qualities of masculinity is to invite uh, uh, derision and hatred and dislike amongst groups of people who have uh, who have been indoctrinated into a political ideology and who have been socialized to be distrustful of men. And of course, the problem becomes self a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy because then these men who are cast out and who are driven to the margins of society then become exactly the picture or the stereotype yes. of what people are saying, and it becomes a self-defeating dynamic. How do we break out of this feedback loop, Camelia? I think it's going to take time. Um, I do have some hope, uh, and I, there are things that I see that are encouraging. I mean, I mentioned St. Louis. Obviously, I've spent a lot of time in St. Louis, so I know people there and a little more experience with that. But for all of the downsides and the negatives that I talk about that come out of the city, th there are also uh, men in those Black communities who are stepping up and they are they are doing things to to address this issue in their community. They are meeting with other men. They are discussing and holding each other accountable. Um, these these ideas of making themselves better and making themselves better as not only men, but then also the natural outcome of that is they if they are bettering themselves as people and men, they are going to be better, you know, uh, husbands and better fathers and you know better boyfriends. And so I think that. Those things are happening and that is where it needs to happen. It needs to happen by those people who are in those communities. It really is not a very effective if it doesn't happen that way. Um, outside groups coming in trying to make those changes are not nearly as effective as people who are there at home and that's close to them. So I just think it's going to take a lot of time. I think even in the masculinity movement, you know, when you're talking about this trend that we've been seeing, this has been a long time coming. This has been coming my whole lifetime. I mean, I've mentioned before, I can I can remember hearing my dad talk about this whenever I was growing up about how men were denigrated on TV and, you know, put down like they were inferior and dads were no good and mocked and made fun of. And so this has been coming for a long time. And I think it's going to just take, I mean, it's probably going to take, you know, a couple of generations to get back the other way. And I hate that because I, it is just, I sent you that article yesterday that somebody, this lady wrote this whole article on story. how, tell this story. Yeah. This, so this lady wrote this whole article on how she avoided divorce. But the, but the weird, weird thing was, is that her husband, um, quote tweeted it and said, you know, my wife, I don't have her name in front of me, you know, wrote this, this lovely article about how she decided not to divorce me because I do such a good job at taking out the recycling. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> So, like, and and her her thing was, would you like to read a lovely long essay on you know divorce, you know, on Valentine's Day? And I was like, well, I don't really want to read a long essay on that, you read but it I'll though, skip didn't it. You? Yeah, you I read did, it. Yeah. and it was appalling. And I, I she talked, and the, she first starts off talking about her own psychological struggles. I'm like, well, there's your first gigantic you know red flag. And she talked about how she responded to just everyday life difficulties in their marriage, you know, in that, you know, they needed to find, they were losing their apartment. They needed to find another apartment. So, and her husband was getting ready to publish a book. And so she, um, she has all the stress. And so she said to cope with this stress, um, 
she started talking too fast and drinking a lot. And she went and saw her site, her psychotherapist, and she started taking SSRIs. And so she started doping up. And so all of this was completely centered on herself. She was, you know, worried about how his career was in, you know, in comparison to hers. And then she ended up being mad that he wrote a book about their child. And so, and he was making more money. It was just, it was a total dumpster fire. And the saddest thing about all of this is that, you know, when she, you know, is writing like this is some big, you know, thing they accomplished through the end. She's talking about how that they, they, she thought about divorcing him and they went to therapy and they're all doing all of these things and they see their marriage counselor once a week or whatever it is now. But it's still, when you read through the end of the article, it's still all about her. It is never about him. And it's not about their child. And that was the most heartbreaking uh, thing to me is that there is a boy who is growing up in the middle of that mess. And what kind of a chance does he have to come out of that with, you know, a healthy perspective to his own, you know, masculinity. So that is heartbreaking. We see things like this. And I read through that and I was like, it just, it was mind boggling to me that women actually exist like that. I'm like, is she like making this up because she's desperate to get attention as a writer? I don't know. Well, imagine embarrassing terrible. your husband like that publicly for the world. And then he goes out and like retweets it. And is like, oh, this is the story of how my wife almost left me, left me, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I mean, like, I hate to use the word cuck, but I mean, like, it it, it definitely had that vibe. Sure. And, you know, they are obviously, um, or it seemed like they, neither of them were on the conservative end of things. It's probably pretty yeah, clear. No shit. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this obviously caught the attention in um, red pill and masculinity movement, conservative circles. And so there were lots of comments on there and lots of expressions of sympathy for that husband and telling him that he needed to, he needed to go, like he needs to run, he needs to get out. And like, that would be my response. I'm like, you need to, you need to take that, that boy and you need to run. absolutely grounds for divorce. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. So I just, there are terrible examples like that. And I hate that they get elevated, um, you know, in our media. And so, you know, there's lots of people on there, you know, lauding them and praising them for being so brave and bold to share such a personal story. And I, I, what? So I think that um, we are in a very messy time right now. I mean, things are always messy. Humanity is messy, but I think it's going to take us a while to get back there. But we need to keep talking about it. Um, we need to keep looking for ways and having the conversations. Um, and it feels wrong. Like, so yesterday when the shooting happened and I talk about how everybody immediately gets on there to have something to say and anymore, it feels like it's just wrong to get on there and to say anything because they're all really pointless, useless words. And they don't, they don't get us anywhere except for seemingly to create more division. And so <laughs> maybe we all just need to to say a little less but less, I, I do think, yeah i think it's gonna it's gonna take time right yeah camelia i just um you know it's a difficult time and uh, you know this this period right now where i feel as if we're in this great like awakening period where we're having a the the polarization that is occurring is realigning the political parties and and right. making new different political alliances and more people are 
speaking out, but more people also being canceled than ever before. Uh, I just don't see where we go from here. Camelia, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? I would just, I will just close with this. Um, I know this is my, my inner idealist and, you know, pie in the sky and people think that I'm, I'm crazy for this, but I really do think the answer to this is, um, love. I think it's more love. I think it's more positivity. I think in the face of hopelessness and negativity so much that we see elevated so much in our society right now, that it's more important than ever that we be counter culture in kindness and in finding the good and the positive and the beautiful in people, because I really, you know, other, otherwise we just continue to spiral down. I think we need to counter, we need to still be white pilled yes. <laughs> even in the face of everything <laughs> in the face of everything, you know, even in the face of evil, uh, Camelia Peterson, where can people follow you online? Uh, probably my most common and favorite platform is X Twitter and uh, rare Camellia is where I am at rare camellia over at x.com you can follow follow camellia peterson she joins us every tuesday and thursday on the show at 8 a.m central time we appreciate you camellia you have a wonderful day and i guess we'll see you next tuesday great day everyone thanks so much that's camellia peterson what'd you guys think huh cj Yes. Now my computer is doing that thing where my cursor disappears. So Camelia, do me a favor, click that end button over there so I can get because now I'm going to struggle for the rest of the show trying to get like Daniela on the program and everything. And it's going to be an absolute nightmare. So yeah, just click end for me if you don't mind. So what do you do when the cursor on your computer disappears? And you can no longer see where you're actually supposed to click on your mouse. If anybody has any solutions to this problem that occurs on my show, please do it because now womp womp. I'm going to suffer and struggle. Uh, Daniela Pensack will be joining us here in just a moment, if I can possibly. Oh, 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 did I see a cursor? Nope, it disappeared. Uh, Daniela Pensack will be joining us here in just a couple minutes to talk about Disney renewing their fight uh, in political circles. We all thought that they had learned their lesson. Apparently, they had not. Disney renewing its diversity, equity, and inclusion standards. Uh, yeah, actually, they... We thought that they had given up the fight, but it turns out that they hadn't, and they're coming back for more. Do you give up? Are you thirsty for more? There we go. Daniela's got her link, and I'm back there. I still can't see my cursor, but you guys can see your own chat. Nice to see 2,200 people with us here live. What's up, everybody? Numbers have doubled here on the Wake Up America show. We'd love to have you come back and join us tomorrow morning for Freedom Family Friday. Do us a favor. If you like the content you're hearing and seeing, which I imagine you are because the numbers just doubled for some reason, then click like and subscribe to the channel and you'll be able to come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show streams live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Camelia joins us and on Thursdays we get a little treat. Daniela Pensack joins us live. She is on the West Coast, which means that she's two hours earlier. So we always appreciate that she gets up so early to join us here. And she's joining us live right now. Good morning, Daniela. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, Austin. How are so, you? All right. So what do we owe the pleasure of this lovely blue sweater uh, uh, combo that we have today? Well, you know what? I got a little sick and tired of my um, year-long, uh, you could say, um, yellow sweater. You know, I wanted to change it up a little bit. Uh, I wore black yesterday, but, you know, black isn't as an exciting of a color. So I thought we could spice it up with the blue. 
Very um, nice. Matches yeah, your just eyes. Spontaneous. Thank you. Glad to have you here, Daniela. And I love the story that you shared with us. I had thought that Disney had come out publicly and said that they regretted getting involved in politics, but apparently things have changed. Give us the big picture here. Well, thanks to journalist Christopher Rufo, a video has been unearthed of uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger uh, talking in a video caught in 4K speaking with his employers about uh, Disney's new warpath. Well, it's exactly not it's new. They have been on this warpath for a while, but at least we know it's out in the open. Um, in his in the video, he's, for instance, he was giving praise for Black Panther, for instance, uh, for being um, diverse and inclusive. And also in the video, he told employees that Disney needs to be less cautious about political topics that otherwise would be divisive. Um, and so his reasoning for this, of course, and justification is uh, January 6th, of all things, his, um, everyone's own personal 9-11 now, uh, especially for those on the left, and, uh, saying that this gives justification for Disney needing to take these um, political stances and that it's uh, it's requisite for them to being um, relevant, I believe so, uh, but also just, you know, doing the right thing. And uh, this is, of course, nothing new for anyone that knows anything about Disney leadership now or the share the shareholders that support it. Um, clearly, you know, uh, it's nothing new. What, what, what we need to focus on, I think, more than just what Disney's saying, because let's be real. We all know this. We just have a video of it revealing it, but it really doesn't change anything. Uh, we should try to working on educating our friends, neighbors, um, for those people that are consuming this media and promoting this media if they have the similar political stances to what you hold um, and those watching today. Uh, we should educate them on what's going on. You know, we have the CEO coming out, saying it out in the open, Disney's going to be more political. It's uh, very fishy stuff. No, for sure. It, you know, Disney used to be one of those companies that produced content, it felt like, for all Americans, that their goal was entirely focused on building a successful brand, building uh, intellectual properties, things that were re relatable, and giving the American people family content that they could trust. Since the last two decades, it's felt as if their mission has warped entirely away from that, that they produce family content that is a sort of a Trojan horse for a leftist ideology in order to indoctrinate our children into views that parents may or may not feel comfortable with, it seems like a bad long-term strategy. Or, you know, is it working out for them in the short term? I mean, it's kind of like the fall of a once great American institution, and it's culturally sort of led to a a decline. I feel like a decline in relations because. It used to be something universal. It didn't matter what your political views were. We all could talk about Mickey Mouse. Now it mm -hmm. feels like people want to own Mickey Mouse and make it a part of a political circle versus it being something that can unite our culture. It now divides us. What are your thoughts on this as a cultural battle? Oh, yeah. You know, and you're right. This has been going on, I'd say, for the last 20 years or so, especially Disney. I mean, uh, listen, it's not just Walt Disney. I think a lot of older forms of media are are being turned into something that it's not, you know, and I think people, the public sees through that. Uh, I think there was a response tweet underneath Christopher Rufo's tweet about this whole story saying that at 
don't quote me on this because I didn't he didn't source anything on on this reply. But he said that Disney lost over 13 million subscribers just in the last year. Um, and uh, they laid off 7000 employees. They have been downsizing because I believe that the consumers are really checking into this and seeing that, look, this is this is clearly uh, uh, bad news. Right. Indoctrination. Um, I, I think that when people people can see through the political veneer what's happening, I don't know if anyone remembers the Ghostbusters film that came out like um, I think it was like 2016, 2017, or they made like an all female cast of Ghostbusters. I, I for what I understand, that movie flopped right because there's a clear political agenda. So you see a lot of these examples of you know people revamping um, uh, these these older forms of media or uh, the content into something that it's not. And people are frankly disgusted with it, and rightfully so, you know. Um, so hopefully things will change for the better. I believe there is hope, considering what we have been seeing within the last year with people boycotting certain brands and so forth. Um, it does make a dent. Uh, Disney being such a large media conglomerate that it is, I don't know how successful that will be. It is one of the largest companies in the world. But... Um, but, you know, they're really shooting themselves in the foot here. And this video does not do them any favors. So hopefully the public will still see through this. Um, maybe it'll make some change. Who knows? We'll see. For sure. And uh, the, you know, these, these cultural battles that are occurring within these institutions right now uh, are being played out writ large in multiple other corporations. Um, we have seen in the last couple of years that more companies have started to back off, off of these diversity, equity and inclusion standards and such. And the Supreme Court overturned those the admission standards when it came to public universities. But what do you think it's going to take, Daniela, for us to actually win the battle on this one? I mean, like, where have we won the battle? Where can we win the battle? Like, what would you do if you let's say that you were the head of a think tank? whose job was to fight against something like this? Where would you strike first? Where do you think the left is weak on this issue? And how would you control, how would you sort of like lead a campaign against something like this? Where the left is weak, that's a good one. See, my initial response to this is obviously everything um, starts with the culture. And I believe the culture mostly stems from, it's gonna sound like a cop-out answer, but I really do believe here that strong families help this, right? Strong. Um, strong strongly bonded nuclear families uh when you have which is what camille actually talked about previously uh interestingly enough um she opened up my idea to this but um i really do think that when you have strong families with strong libertarian conservative values from you know from the ground up that's going to change the culture and that is not an easy uh easy sell i mean that's going to take a long time to actually change culture i understand culture cultural osmosis takes a long time right um takes a lot of effort but it is possible and i think that and what I also believe is that the left is also doing this to themselves, considering how strong their messaging has been, like I'd mentioned, the last 10 to 20 years. Um, it's very off-putting, especially with the LGBT movement, LGBTQ plus movement. Um, they have been made it very difficult to to consume the message that they are trying to sell, whether that has been selling certain uh, bathing suits and Target or uh, some of the, the media campaign by Budweiser. Uh, you know, like I said, we won little battles within the last year with boycotting certain certain institutions, certain businesses. Uh, we haven't won the war yet. It will still take time. But uh, thanks to the insanity of the left, um, whether that be in the college campuses or in media, um, 
they are really making not making things easy for themselves. I think if we just let them go a little crazy, uh, it will be it will be uh, helpful on our front. But also having strong family bonds, you know, um, teaching children the right thing, basic stuff, and having strong communities ba- uh, situated around strong common sense conservative values. I think over time will obviously change the culture. Again, not an easy task. We'll take couple generations, but it is possible. And I think that within the last few years, we have been seeing a shift from this left-wing narrative, uh, this very progressive, all-inclusive narrative, uh, because people do find it so off-putting, you know, especially with like the drag queen stuff, the drag queen story hour permeating into public schools, uh, into the lives of children. You see, when you mess with children, that's a whole different story that also gets more parents involved. I've even seen that happen in Washington. A few bills have passed um, promoting this uh, transgender ideology, uh, supporting sex change for children, um, allowing that, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, facilitating that for younger children. And even parents here in Washington state uh, have come out against that because, um, like I said, the left really cannot help itself from attacking uh, the innocence of children and making themselves look bad. Uh, you'll love to hear it. Daniela Pensack joining us live right now. I think they do love to hear it. 2,600 people watching us live. Boy, this is wild. We love to see it. We appreciate that. Uh, apparently, you're enjoying the content. So do us a favor and click that like button right now and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us. The Wake Up America show is live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. But the lovely lady you're hearing these based and red-pilled views from is Daniela Pensack. And she joins us live on the show every Thursday at 8 a.m. Central Time. So if you have a particular like for Daniela, make sure that you set a calendar appointment on Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central Time so that you can hear her points of view on the news of the day. She's a field coordinator for Turning Point USA's high school program. So she's deep in the fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. We love to hear her points of view. And of course, you can follow her on socials, which she will share for you here in just a couple of minutes. Um, everybody loves a good um, race uh, swap movie. I myself love the the film uh, by the Wayans brothers, White Chicks, where the you know Mar- Keenan and Ivory Wayans, um, Marlon Wayans, or God, I forget which one. There's like several of the brothers. They did a the the movie White Chicks. They dressed up like white girls, did great impressions, and uh, probably the most memorable part of that movie was when. Um, the well, who's the muscle bound guy? Terry Crews is like singing, like making my way downtown, walking fast. I see everybody loves it, right? It's hilarious. But when a white chick pretends to be a black chick and takes over the head of the NAACP, um, people are somehow not as amused. But Rachel Dolezal, <laughs> uh, of uh, of such fame, of infamy, uh, has reinvented herself once again, Daniela. What's the news? <laughs> Yep. So Rachel Dalzell, everyone's familiar with her, uh, race faker. She um, is now a teacher <laughs> in an Arizona school district. And um, the Catalina Foothills uh, school uh, district has terminated her because um, it has found out that she has an OnlyFans account. Um, and what had happened the last couple of days now is that that was found out and it, that story spread like wildfires, particularly on Twitter. And people in the community found out about it. Um, the school board found out and they had to fire her because she had this OnlyFans. If you are interested in seeing her content, it's only $9.99 per month. <laughs> I don't no. understand why anyone no, would want to, God. you know, indulge in no. that. But hey, teach Please, his own. No. 
but um but yes uh she has an only fans account now you know she's finding more ways to grift i guess uh once a grifter always a grifter you can't really help it <laughs> but that's pretty much the story I mean. but here's the thing she's like she's like uh teaching kids isn't she Yes. Yes. I believe elementary school was uh, the age group that she taught. And um, that's even more concerning. Uh, well, I think any teacher that has any oldie fans, um, regardless of how salacious it is, is concerning. That's going to affect the teacher student dynamic quite a bit, um, regardless of age, actually, especially if the student is old enough to uh, consume that content like college. But regardless, um, pretty creepy either way. Danielle, are there any other news stories that are on your radar or anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Um, not particularly. I will say, though, uh, if you do like uh, updates uh, in video format, do follow my TikTok, still not banned. Um, and uh, that's at official Daniela Pensek on TikTok. Uh, I do I do like little updates. I talk about conspiracy theories, too. Uh, so if you're into that kind of stuff. Otherwise, just follow me on Twitter. It's at Pensek Daniela. I also um talk about relevant topics on there as well so and troll quite a bit of uh groups of people you could say political groups of people so it's always yes, fun which i really that's my favorite content that you make but yesterday's thirst trap that you posted for valentine's day <laughs> i think people people will do will genuinely it's just appreciate a selfie i don't understand uh, yeah it's just a selfie. with my dog i, 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 I mean... really appreciate i really appreciated that the dog made a cameo in your latest picture there for valentine's day yesterday yeah. but it's it's a great toll but although i have heard some rumors that you might be a fed Austin, that rumor has been around ever since uh, like the last two years now, ever since I started working for Turning Point, that has been a rumor. Um, I will say I am not a Fed. I don't know how many times I have to confirm this. That sounds like something a Fed would say. That sounds that's true. Like I'm playing off the, say. yeah, how that's dare true. You? That's true. I, I, um, I was playing off the irony. Someone called me a Fed yesterday and uh, I think I quote tweeted them and I said I was caught, you know, I have to cancel my account. And he said, ah, you see, that's a tactic. They always play off irony. It's like, what am I supposed to say? I mean, if I say it's fake, it's not really that funny now, is it? Actually, speaking of feds, it's funny that you that we mentioned that because and and I know I didn't prepare you to talk about this, but I saw you retweeting this yesterday. But apparently there's a rumor online that Nick Fuentes may either be a fed or he may have become a federal informant because he was at the January 6th protest yeah, uh, yeah. and was not arrested and has not been turned over. Like, Multiple people who weren't even, you know, inside the building that day or going to jail for years. Somehow Nick Fuentes avoids any jail time at all whatsoever. What's this latest conspiracy theory? Yeah, it's a head scratcher, is it not? <laughs> we have video evidence of him. He was li he was literally encouraging people to storm the Capitol. We have video evidence of him doing that. He's still not in jail, but a lot of his contemporaries gone to jail. A lot of people, like you said, that weren't even completely innocent. Uh, were questioned heavily um, and threatened jail time. So, yeah, it makes it makes one really think. Uh, it gets a noggin jogging. Why is Nick Fuentes not, you know, even close to that? Um, I I have a few theories of my own. I think that there's something fishy going on there. I think they have some intel against him. Um, he is a valuable asset, whether that be for uh, mobilizing certain groups of young men um or, or radicalizing them or uh whether that's you know giving intel to the fbi about who's involved in what what movements uh i you know i don't have the specifics laid out but i just all i'm saying is i'm pointing to the to the fact of the matter is that we have if anyone should go to jail for january 6 it's him i mean he already has uh quite a bit of a footprint online he's a really very well-known figure by that time 
Um, and I was familiar with Fuentes actually since like 2016-ish, 2017-ish online. He had like a little dinky YouTube chat, like video channel, um, and uh, which he got banned off pretty quickly. But uh, I, I remember from the beginning and it almost seemed like at some point he like skyrocketed in popularity too. Um, and I thought that was a little suspicious. I mean, it's possible. But I also found that very interesting because I remember there was some point he was banned off all platforms. And then afterward, he made a major comeback and he like skyrocketed in popularity like 2020-ish around the same time, I would say, as January 6th. So I don't know. It's really interesting stuff. Makes, makes good, one think. Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a fun conspiracy theory. We'll, we'll chase that one a little bit and see if it's uh, worthy of chatting about more uh, in the yeah. future. Pete DeCat over on Rumble says, feds don't get up early to be on AP's show. It's true. There's no way, Daniela could be a fed hey we appreciate you daniela we're looking forward to having you back again next week and have a wonderful day thank you for having me austin see you next week thank you make sure you guys follow daniela at pentsac daniela over um on x.com rvolt24 says daniela is a nick fuentes truther yes brandon Myers said that it sounded like the fbi was at his door <laughs> it's quite an honor to have 2,700 people tuning in live to the Wake Up America show, and I'm very grateful and glad to have you here. Thank you. Look to your left, look to your right. Uh, it's uh, very rare to have this many people watching the Wake Up America show, so I just want to say thank you to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page today. I've got a couple more thoughts that I'd like to offer before we let you go at the end of the show today to talk about the tragedy that occurred in my home city of Kansas City yesterday at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl Festival. And I was disappointed to hear the mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas, immediately uh, laying the blame for the incident on the guns. Every time that there is a tragedy that occurs in this country, the first thing that people do is to blame freedom whether it's an immigration problem a gun pro gun violence problem a drug problem whatever it may be the culprit is always by the politicians and the authoritarians the problem is always laid at the feet of too much freedom and yet do we have too much freedom in this country in san francisco where drug addicts roam the streets and needles lay about everywhere and human feces is strewn across the street is san francisco Really the example that you want to use for some kind of a libertarian paradise or utopia, the land of Nancy Pelosi, the land of authoritarian leftism and wokeism in its very, in its very cradle. Uh, there is no tragedy, no matter how great, that justifies the taking away of individual rights from innocent people. I say this as a person who had his sister and his beloved nephew at that event. And if something tragic or terrifying had happened to those that I love yesterday, I would still believe the absolute same thing. Thank you for joining us today. It's usually bad form to leave when you have such a big audience, uh, but we do like to keep ourselves to a schedule. I'd like to ask you a favor today. Uh, my uh, website, ap4libertyshop.com, has got a tremendous uh, list of items that my wife and I have lovingly curated, curated for patriotic people just like you. Not only do we have delicious coffees, but let's say you've got a barn or a sign that you'd like to hang outside of your barn. We've got custom metal signs available to hang in your garage. 
You can put your family name on them. You can have it say Molen Lob, come and take it. Well, uh, however you'd like to design or your uh, custom metal sign, you can get those at ap4libertyshop.com. I'd invite you to please visit uh, AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. I've been very grateful to everyone this week for all of the support and unlocking our bonus content. I'm going to play that for you one more time before we leave today. For those who didn't get to see it, this week we've been talking about who were the most libertarian presidents in U.S. history. The most libertarian presidents in U.S. history. Today's was Chester A. Arthur. So I am going to be playing that clip for you as we head out the door today. If you'd like to join us again on the show tomorrow, just remember we are five days a week here. That's our schedule, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So click like and subscribe to the channel right now before we go. I see C-S-T-R-A-I just subscribe to the channel. Thank you, sir. Or ma'am. Don't want to misgender you. But if you click subscribe to the AP for Liberty YouTube channel that you're watching right now, you won't have a problem finding us again tomorrow, will you? No, you will not. Thank you to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page. Without you, we would not have get, uh, gotten a chance to meet all of these fine, attractive people. We appreciate you, Rumble.com. Give it up for them. All right. One more time, visit apforlibertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four. Visit apforlibertyshop.com. Get yourself a custom patriotic metal so sign. Delicious Founding Flavors Coffee. We've got a whole bevy of Javier Malay merchandise. So if you're a big Javier Malay fan, then I know you're going to love all of our Javier Malay merch. So make sure that you check that out there in the shop. And as we head to our uh, commercial break, I'm going to play for you the bonus content that you all unlocked, which is one of our most libertarian presidents in U.S. history, Chester A. Arthur. I hope that you enjoy that content that you unlocked. Thank you for that. And come back here tomorrow. My smoking hot, redheaded libertarian, pregnant wife, Stephanie, will be joining us tomorrow morning, as well as my brother, Justin Peterson. It's Freedom Family Friday. This show is a whole hell of a lot of fun. It's a great way to start your day. Typically family-friendly, sometimes it gets a little PG-13. So I hope to see um, many of you 2,300 people back here tomorrow morning on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. <laughs>